Om Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste. And this evening we're going to begin the text on page 119. Sri Namaha. We bow to she who removes all difficulties. And now, Atha, Taram Taram, presenting the 700 verses in praise of she who removes all difficulties. That's Durga Shaptasati. And actually, we know it's not 700 verses, it's 700 ablations. Uh, but we always call it 700 verses, even though it's 700 ablations, because there are many half verses. There are 44 namastasyas. There are about 100 and some odd uh, uvachas. And so these all go into the count of 700 swahas. And it's also called the Devi Mahapnyam, the Dirga Shapta and the Chandipat. And this is chapter one. And the Bini Yoga, every episode begins with the Bini Yoga, which is an application. And the application describes what we're going to do, who we're going to celebrate, why we're doing it, who's involved, who are the rishis who gave us these mantras, who's the deity, what's the chondo, oh, and various other aspects about the application of these mantras. Om, presenting the first episode, the creative capacity, that's Brahma, is the seer, the great remover of darkness is the deity, Gayatri, 24 syllables of the verse is the meter, Mamba, in San Jose, is the energy, Raktadantika is the seed, fire is the principle, Rigveda is the intrinsic nature, and for the satisfaction of the great remover of darkness, this first episode is being applied in recitation. And now let's meditate on the form of the goddess. This is the goddess of Mahakali, who woke Vishnu from Yoga Nidra, from the sleep of divine union, in order to put too much and too little into balance so we would know just how much do we need. Bearing in her ten hands the sword of worship, the discus of revolving time, the club of articulation, and that's the articulation of mantras. Every time you say a mantra, you beat an asura over the head. The bow of determination, the iron bar of restraint, the pike of attention, the sling, the, or the net of unity, the head of egotism, and the conscious vibrations. She has three eyes and displays ornaments on all her limbs. Shining like a blue gem, she has ten faces, that's ten faces with three eyes on each face, and that means she has thirty eyes. And I worship that great remover of darkness, whom the lotus-born creative capacity praised in order to slay too much and too little when the supreme consciousness was in sleep. Om, we bow to she who tears apart thought. Om, 
Eng Markandeya said. So we start each chapter with a meditation on the goddess of this chapter. And this chapter is about the great remover of darkness, who is also a form of yoga nidra, the sleep of divine union, where you're in total darkness, you're totally black, and today uh, we're posting about Kalaratri, and the, she is the great night of darkness, and the great night of overcoming darkness, and the darkness of duality, the darkness of egotism, the darkness of ignorance, the darkness of attachment, where... Today's point to me, why Kalaratri? Because we're starting chapter one. Uh, it's the fifth day uh, of the uh, posting, and, and uh, we're going to be posting about Kalaratri tonight. We started on Chaturdashi. Uh, so, uh, and so uh, this chapter, Brahma, who was born and seated in the lotus in Vishnu's navel, was sitting there doing job, and too much and too little came out of the ears of Vishnu and said, Ah, oh, look at that old man in that comfortable seat. Let's, let's, he's going to do something really weird here. He's going to create this creation. Let's take over the creation ourselves. Make everyone in the creation a servant of too much or too little. Everyone will say, I don't have enough. I want some more. And they'll stop meditating, and they'll get up, and they'll go out, and they'll get some more. And they'll come home, and they'll say, oh, I've got too much. <laughs> i got to take get rid of something. I've got to take out the garbage. I've got to get my hair cut. I've got too much of all kinds of stuff. Just look in your closets if you don't believe me. Any of you have a garage that just keeps filling up with stuff? Well, in the same way, too much and too little mandate activity for all of creation. So here come too much and too little, and they say, we're going to take over the creation and make everyone servants of too much and too little so that they'll always be busy with us. And they'll forget all about Brahma. They'll leave Vishnu sleeping where he is. He's fine. He's not causing anybody any trouble at any time. Uh, and we will be the masters of the creation. And Brahma said, hey, this is a little too much for me. And I'm an old man, I'm a senior citizen, card-carrying. Look at, I've got a Medicare card, and I can't fight with these Asuras anymore. Vishnu, you are the protector, wake up and fight with these Asuras. And Vishnu stayed asleep. And he kept sleeping, and Brahma said, Hey, Vishnu, this is important, I think you better wake up. This is something that you have to attend to. Uh, so uh, Vishnu kept sleeping, and then Brahma decided, well, if he's sleeping like that, it must be Yoganidra, that he's uh, under the power of Yoganidra. Let me pray to Yoganidra in the form of Mahakali, and she will wake up Vishnu, and Vishnu will fight with the Asuras, and I can go back to doing my job sitting in the lotus in the navel of consciousness. Om Eng Markandeya said, He who belongs to all colors, tribes, and castes, the son of the light of wisdom, is known as the eighth manifestation of wisdom. I describe his origins 
at length. Listen. So now there are 14 manvantaras, 100 repetitions of the four yugas, the Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga, and Kali Yuga. These four yugas revolve 100 times, and that's one manvantara. And each manvantara is presided over by one monu. Mon means the mind, and U means the circumstance. The circumstance of that mind for 100 repetitions of Satya, Treta, Dwapar, and Koli Yuga is each one is presided over by a Monu, and this eighth Monbantara that we're in right now is presided over by the, a Monu called. Uh, uh, Sabarni, who belongs to all colors, tribes, castes, he's at home wherever he goes, he, he belongs wherever he is. I am the light and the light is me. Any place I go is where I want to be. <laughs> and he, this, this Sabarni, he belongs to everybody. He, he, he does the cosmic puja. He, he loves Vishnu, he loves Brahma, he loves Shiva. He loves the Divine Mother in every manifestation. He'll worship Ram, he'll worship Krishna. Sounds like a guy who's made for the Devi Mandir. He does pujas in, in Hebrew, in Sanskrit, in, uh, in Latin, in, in any language, in any tradition. He just loves God. His name is Sabarni, he belongs to everybody, wherever he goes. So now, this is how he, he became the mono of this manvantar, the presiding attitude of mind for all of the creation, and that's not just the creation of the earth, that's the, all of the creation has the circumstance of mind, the attitude, the predominant attitude that says, we all belong together, we're all one. There is a unity in our diversity, and we are one. Doesn't matter your language, it doesn't matter your color, it doesn't matter your tribe. We're the tribe of Saraswati, but goodness knows how many other tribes there are. And your caste, your creed, your nationality, that's the least of important things. Uh, and so this is how he got to be the mono of this pres present manvantara. Listen, Suno, it's a good story. With the grace of the Supreme Goddess, the great measurement of consciousness, remember Maha, the great Maya, the measurement, and what does she measure? She measures the infinity of consciousness. The infinity of consciousness which is unmanifest. She, of course, she measures everything that is manifest, but she goes beyond the manifest to measure the unmanifest. She is the definition of infinity. So now we talk, talked about when we do the Shiva meditation, we go to the farthest reaches of infinity and picture the greatest expanse of infinity that you can possibly conceive and when you get to where you cannot go any farther and you want to draw a line and say that's the end that's the edge that's the boundary that's the limit of infinity then 
that's where the meditation on Shiva begins. Infinite goodness. He is expansive and, and she is even bigger. <laughs> she is even greater still because she encompasses all that is manifest, every form and every relationship, and all that is unmanifest to the edge of infinity. And when you draw the line and says this is the boundary of infinity, then you got to ask the question, what's on the other side? So Mahamaya, this, the, the great measurement of consciousness, who is the supreme goddess, by her grace, the son of the light, he who belongs to all, that's Savarni, became the highly eminent master of the 14th part of a day of the infinite. Now remember, each manvantara is 100 revolutions of Sapta, Treta, Dwapar, and Koli Yu. And I'll bet you on our website, we've got the mathematical calculations. It's millions of years. And all of each manvantara is... 14th part of one day of Brahma. <laughs> so that 14 manvantaras is a day of Brahma. And that's 14 times 100 revolutions of Satya, Treta, Dwapar, and Koli It's a lot of time. In human years. I mean, I, I can't do the math in my head. I did it one time and I got some from the Tantra Shara. I copied some passages and I put them on the website uh, somewhere. I bet you the, our webmaster knows where they are. If you're interested. Uh, so he became the highly eminent master of the 14th part of a day of the infinite. The day of the infinite is a hundred revolutions, and he became the master of one manvantara. On this subject I speak. All right. In times of old, in the period ruled by he who makes himself radiant, that was another manvantara, when Swarochish. Swarochish was uh, the manu of that manvantara. And he was the ruler. There was a king named the conveyor of good thoughts. Uh, his, his name was uh, 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 Surat, the conveyor of good thoughts. And he was born in the lineage of those who dwell in consciousness. And he had authority over all the regions of the earth. So the whole earth was ruled by good thoughts. And he was the ruler of the entire earth. He never let a bad thought come into his kingdom. He protected his subjects in the way of truth as a father to his children. Lots, lots of subjects. All of us get to stay in Dharma all the time. In the way of truth and light and peace, manifesting the ideals of perfection in every behavior. At that time, the kings who were the destroyers of worship became his enemies. And they started to say, you don't have to spend so much time in puja. 
Why don't you kick back and chill for a while instead? Why don't you find some, go out and have some fun. Do something for yourself. You don't have to be, what's all this Dharma stuff? You're staying all day, all night with puja and pop and jump and tup. And why don't you do something fun? The destroyers of worship. Well, they became enemies of good thoughts. Good thoughts moved against the destroyers of worship to engage in battle. And even though they were fewer in numbers, nevertheless good thoughts was defeated. Those destroyers of worship are really strong and devious. They could do anything at any time. They could say, hey, let's go party. Forget this worship stuff. Why should you spend your time and your energy worshiping? Everybody else is having a good time. Look at them. They're all having a good time. Come on home and pop a cold one and watch the boob tube and, and kick back and have some sex and drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> at least that's what we did in our days. <laughs> and they defeated good thoughts. And then he returned to his own city, renouncing his authority over the earth, and he continued to rule in his own land. He went inside the fortress gates, he locked the gates, he closed the gates. Oh, okay, I'm safe in the Devi Mandir. I mean, at least nobody's gonna beat me here. But there too, the powerful enemies pursued that illustrious one and again attacked. They came to the Devi Mandir. They said, hey, let's go out in the forest. We can make some hanky-panky. We'll have some fun. We'll do, we'll do fun things. Come on, what's with all this worship all the time? You're not having any fun. Even in the Devi Mandir. Let's go sit in the kitchen and talk about enlightenment. We could do so many neat things. We'll solve all the problems of the world. And they attacked again. The king's strength was severely depleted. And his enemies were mighty. And his unscrupulous ministers took over the army and the treasury. Good thoughts, sovereignties was lost. And therefore, riding alone upon his horse, he fled into the dense forest on the pretext of hunting. Uh, I better go out and hunt something. I better hunt for a new way of life because obviously I'm not going to be the king of good thoughts anymore. There, he came upon the hermitage of a great wise master, the intellect of love, where he saw so many dangerous animals living together in the greatest of peace. Many disciples to the great wise one were enhancing the magnificence of the forest. The great wise one made him welcome there with respect and the king wandered about the hermitage for some time. Then his contemplations were overcome with egotism and attachment, just like the rest of us. And he thought, the city that my ancestors protected in former times has now gone from me. I lost 
my inheritance. I lost the, the traditions and the heritage of my entire family lineage that they passed down to me for hundreds and hundreds of revolutions of Satya, Treta, Dwapar, and Kali Yuga. And now here I am by myself in a sadhu's ashram in the middle of the forest on a mountaintop away from civilization with nothing but a webcam broadcasting around the world. Are my unprincipled employees protecting and righteously preserving the kingdom in my absence? And my foremost elephant, heroic and continually delighted, will, will not expect, experience the pleasures he enjoyed during my time. Uh, hey, uh, are the kids cleaning up the kitchen after lunch? <laughs> are, do they clean the temple after puja? Or uh, what are they doing? Are they taking care of everything in the ashram? Are they doing that? Those who followed me with the eternal way of offering wealth and food definitely may now be serving other kings who are spending without restraint and continual extravagance. In olden days when I was the king, we used to feed everybody. Now do they ask everybody, did you eat? Can I make something for you? Can I serve you in some way? You came to the ashram, can we cook something for you? Can we help you in some way? Or are they just sitting around talking about enlightenment in the kitchen and spending my money? <laughs> Wasting the resources, leaving the lights on when they leave the room. Are they leaving the heater on when it's not cold? Are they, are they just wasting the money? And as the king went deeper into contemplation, into deeper contemplation of the loss of his wealth and his present situation, his mind became absorbed in pain oh. and his thoughts controlled by worldly attachments. I mean, look how it, what it took for me to put this here. And how, how are they using it? Or are they abusing it? There, in the hermitage of the great teacher, he saw a businessman. And after greeting him, he asked, Who are you? And what is the reason for your coming here? Why do you appear to be in a great sorrow as though your mind were far from its goal? Asked the king in a pleasant voice and friendly spirit. Huh? Another worldly guy is in the ashram. <laughs> Somebody to talk to. I don't want to talk to all these sadhu guys. They'll only talk about scripture and sadhana. I don't do sadhana. Let me, let me talk to the businessman. At least he's got something to tell me about the world. And with words full of modesty and humble respect, the businessman replied to the king. And the businessman said, Pure intuitive perception is my name. My name is Samadhi. And I'm a businessman born in the lineage of those who worship infinite energy. My wife and children have cast me out because of their greed for wealth and have caused me to become an ascetic seeker of truth. 
I have been deprived of wealth, and my wife and sons have seized my estate, and having been cast out by my trusted kinsmen and bound by sorrow, I have come into the forest. Oh, here's this businessman. His name is pure intuitive perception. He's infinite consciousness. He's pure consciousness. And what is his wife and children are the thoughts born of infinite consciousness that he perceives. And now they stole away the peace and they stole away the wealth and they took it all for themselves. Okay, Pop, it's got a lot of money. <laughs> He's got a lot of wealth. Let's us enjoy the wealth now before he, he, maybe he'll give it to somebody else. Maybe he'll spend it all himself. Maybe Mom won't let us have it. Let's just kick him out. We'll take Mom on our side and we'll make him an ascent. Seeker of truth. <laughs> Give him, uh, let him go to the ashram. And so he's been be deprived of his wealth and he's deprived of his wife and his sons and his wife. All the thoughts stole away the peace that he had in his, his consciousness. But now I don't know if happiness or unhappiness is with my children. How do they feel about this? I know how I feel about it. This is lousy. This is awful. Huh? How do they feel? Are they happy about this? Are they having a good time spending my money living it up? Huh? Staying here, I am unaware of the activities of my family. Do they experience tranquility at present? Or does discomfort reign? Are they, are they having a good time? Are they in enjoyable states of mind? I, they chased me, pure consciousness, out of the house. How could they have peace? They can't have peace in their house without pure consciousness. Huh? What are they doing? Are my sons observing good conduct or are they behaving with evil and wickedness? Good question. And the king said, you have been cast out by your wife and children because of their avarice and greed. Why are your thoughts so bound in love for them? <laughs> Why do you have this attachment? What's all this attachment? You are pure consciousness and now they took away all your peace and now you're thinking about their welfare? What kind of a situation is that? Why are you so bound in love for them? And the businessman said, just as you were speaking to me, I was having this same thought. What's going on in my mind? <clears throat> but what can I do? My mind does not entertain severity. They have sacrificed a father's love and affection for a master and a kinsman in their greed for wealth. Yet my mind joins them all in affection. Though knowing all this, O oh great learned one, I fail to understand how my contemplations are disposed to love even characterless relations. I know they have no character, they have no baba, they have no truth, they have no love, they only think about themselves, they are bound by selfishness, and yet, they're mine. They're my kids. I, my mind goes without my control. Uh, 
Because of their actions, I heave a sigh and feel dejection and despair. And Markandeya said, Then together, the two, pure intuitive perception, the businessman, and a very noble monarch, good thoughts, the king, arrived in the circular sacrificial area in the presence of the great wise master. Observing the proper customs and congenialities for learning, they sat down and engaged in conversation. So we hear the businessman and the king went to the Muni, where he was sitting in his, at his Yagya Kund, and he was making Homa the Chandi, and he was sitting and he had, there was a circle around the Hauen Kun, and they entered into the circle and they showed the respect and the customs and congenialities conducive to learning. That is, Namaste, I want to learn from you. I came here to learn from you, great wise master. Please, I am an, an empty vessel, please fill me. They didn't come and say, oh, I took Diksha from this guru and that guru and I had this, I read this book and that book and now I want to see what you can teach me. They came and said, I am an empty vessel. You please fill me. And the king said, he's talking on behalf of both the businessman and uh, himself, and he's speaking to the great wise master, the intellect of love. That was her name. Uh, you know, there's, there's just pure intellect. We call that buddhi. Buddhi rupina samshtita. You remember from chapter 5. And then there's medha. And medha means I, it's, it's, it's good knowledge. But because of my love, it enhances and its beauty, it, it, it made us, is the, the love that enhances the intellect. It's a loving intellect. It's not just stale, dry facts. It's real wisdom that's living. It's alive. It constitutes knowledge that I can act on. I mean, it's got an inspiration with it. So remember, Tara was the wife of Brihaspati, and he was the intellect, and he was really quite dry, <laughs> and he knew all the facts. But one day, Tara, she's the illuminator, and she decided to go visit Chandra, and he is the moon of devotion, and she wanted to illuminate devotion because she got tired of hanging out with the intellect. Well, ultimately, the intellect, Brihaspati said, come on home, Tara. And she said, uh, I'm not quite ready to go home. I like to be with devotion. I get tired to be hanging out with this dry, dusty, old intellectual guy. I want some Ross in my life. I want a little bit of love. Well, Together, they gave birth uh, to Bhut, uh, Chandra, devotion, and the illumination. Uh, and the combination of Brihaspati and Chandra and Tara made 
Midas, as the intellect of love. So she went to the intellect of love and he said, you who have united with the infinite self, I wish to ask only one question of you and please be pleased to speak on that, mom, please. I only have one question. My reflections are out without control and give much pain to my mind. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about my attachments. <laughs> I can't control my mind. It's going anywhere it wants to go and it doesn't consult me. <laughs> I have great attachment to the kingdom and to every aspect of the status that has gone from me. I used to be the king and now here I am with all these sadhus. But even with this knowledge in the manner of one who is ignorant, I, I know what's going on, a, a, a intellect of love, Midas Muni. I know all about this stuff, but even with this knowledge, like one who's ignorant, I'm still feeling pain. Why is that, oh great learned one? Now look, if I didn't know, then you could teach me and I wouldn't be sad and I wouldn't feel sorrow, I, if I, but I do know. I know this is my, I know this is ego, I know this is attachment, why is it I still feel pain? That's the question. Why am I feeling pain? I know I can't control my mind, I know I've got ego, I know I've got attachment, I know I enjoyed being the king. I had all the good thoughts in my kingdom, and now I don't. Why am I sad? Now, and here this humble man, cheated and deceived by his wife and children and employees and cast out, even deserted by his own relations, he still maintains the greatest affection for them. And thus, both of us are feeling pain. Even though we see the defects in our contemplations, nevertheless, our minds are drawn into attachment and egotism. What is it, O oh exalted one? Hey, mom, tell me, illuminate me, enlighten me. Please tell me what it is. I, we see that our thoughts are without control. We see that it's all attachment and ego and, and possession and memories. What is it? that causes this ignorance even in the presence of our wisdom and understanding. And we understand, we're wise, I was a king, he was a businessman, we were successful people. It's not like we were dodo heads living, I, we weren't sadhus living in the forest, sponging off a of Srima. We were absolutely contributing members of society. We were pillars of, of, of respectability. We, and now we're like fools without the capacity of discrimination. What is it? If I didn't know, you could teach me, but I do know. Now what's the solution? Why is it that I know and I can't do it anyway? If I didn't know, then I, I could understand, okay, you're, you're, you didn't do it right. But I do know. Now you please tell me, O oh, intellect of love, O oh, great wise master, 
Here I am sitting in the Davy Mundia. The most beautiful hermitage in the middle of the forest. All the animals are eating together. All the sadhus are coming to listen to the discourse of the intellect of love. We're all sitting around the home of fire, making the worship of the supreme goddess, the great measurement of consciousness. Why is it our minds can't sit here? Why are we thinking about what I left and where I'm going? And my mind is any place but here. And people come from all over the world and they walk into the gates of the Devi Mandir. They say, oh, what a wonderful place. I'd love to stay here the rest of my life. I don't even want to leave. And they sit down and their mind leaves. <laughs> And then they go to the kitchen and they talk about enlightenment. <laughs> and then to pick up a cup or a spoon is the heaviest object in the world. <laughs> to pick up a broom is such a difficulty. <laughs> to clean up after them. I don't know. What is it? Even though I know and I understand and I fully will, I grok the situation. Why doesn't my mind sit still? Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is the question of the Chandipata. How am I going to make my mind sit still? How am I going to realize the knowledge that I know? In Bengali, we call it Gyan Papi. <laughs> huh? Gyan Papi means the sin of knowing. <laughs> I know and still I don't act. I, I understand fully well and still I don't do it. What is it that makes me so... I'm not stupid. I know it. You can ask me on the test and I'll give you the correct answer. Why can't I act in accordance with my knowledge and understanding? How do I make my mind sit still? How do I make my mind focus on the goal of my sankalpa? And stop going around the world and traveling all over and dreaming this and dreaming that and going off the property and, and thinking, oh, it'll be more fun out there than it is in here. When I came in the property, I said, it'll be more fun in here than it would ever be out there. How do I stay here now? Tell me. Let's see if there are any questions. We have a question from Laura. Namaste, Laura. <laughs> Namaste. Is there any deeper reason why Samadhi is a businessman? Yes. He's in the business of being in Samadhi. <laughs> <laughs> That's his business. Ah. He traded all his goods and services with everybody he could to get to become Samadhi. And there he was, enjoying the bliss of totally absorbed consciousness. D is the mind, Ma is the measurement, Sa is all, is the measurement of his mind. That means there's no limit. He's always illuminating infinite consciousness. 
Now his wife and his kids, the thoughts born of the world, come and they start to steal his wealth of peace. And they take him out of the state of Samadhi. And at the end, when he gets the blessing from the goddess, you'll see what happens to him. Yes, please. Who are the unscrupulous ministers of the king of good thoughts? Everyone who doesn't do their share. <laughs> Everyone who gives a little less and takes a little bit more. They are unscrupulous. Everyone who's put in a position of trust and doesn't give 110%, they are unscrupulous ministers. Everyone who is empowered by the great wise one and doesn't use their knowledge, they are unscrupulous. They are the thieves. And then again, on the, in the subtle body, kam, krod, lo, mo, moda, matsajja, the six ripus, the limitations, desire, anger, passion, misdirected passion, uh, attachment, ignorance, jealousy, and greed. These are unscrupulous ministers that are all have very close places next to samadhi. They are closely aligned, their thoughts in the brain, their thoughts in the mind, the ego and his attachments, they are unscrupulous ministers. So it, it manifests on every level in the gross body, in the subtle body, in the causal body. Chandi is going on simultaneously. All three episodes are going on simultaneously. It's not a chronology. It's not you do one and then you do the other and then you do the other. They're all going on simultaneously. And they're going on in the gross body. They're going on in the subtle body. They're going on in the causal body. Just look at our thoughts. And see how many of them really belong in the mind of Samadhi. If I could think such a thought, how can I say the next moment that I'm Samadhi? <laughs> if such a thought could come into this mind, how could I say I'm the king of good thoughts? If I could raise my voice at any one of you, how could I be in pure intuitive vision? So all of these thoughts in the subtle body and all of these beings in the gross body and all of the capacities for these thoughts to manifest in the causal body, they are the different unscrupulous ministers. We have a question from Elise. Namaste, Elise. Why do we not act in accord with what we know? That's the question of the time. We're just asking the great wise Mooney. Hey, Mooney. Hey, great, wise, exalted one, please tell me. Not only tell me why, but tell me what do I have to do in order to make it right? How can I get control over my mind? How can I chase those unscrupulous ministers away? How can I take the wife and the kids and, and the servants and put them back in their bedrooms and let them watch TV and let, the, and let them leave me alone? How do I do it? So I've got two questions now. We'll get to the second one later. But the first question is why? What is this? And the second question is how? 
How do I go back to doing it? What's the sadhana? What's the mantra? What's the magic word? What's, give me something. Give me the potion. Give me, give, give me some uh, a medicine. Give me some, give me whatever you've got. I want on every level. What do I have to do in order to go back to being samadhi? What do I have to do in order to go back to being the king of good thoughts? We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste Sadhana, Namaste Vivek. Pranam. As we walk our path to unite with God, we have these long to-do lists. How can we ensure we are making the right decision while being sometimes overwhelmed? Well, first of all, don't get overwhelmed. <laughs> Very difficult to make the right decision when you're overwhelmed. Sit down in a quiet, comfortable and conducive environment and find your center. From that center, think of your goals. And from that list of goals, design a plan. And from that plan, create a budget. We're just, we just completed some tools for making budgets. How do you budget your time? How do you budget your asan? How do you budget your energy? How do you budget the food. How do you budget your resources? You're going to have to, as a sadhu or sadhika, you're going to have to budget and live within the budget. I used to take a bag of provisions out into the forest and get lost and find the quiet, conducive, and comfortable environment, usually by the bank of a stream, where there were lingra growing along the bank of the stream, and then there were chivalry, these little berries up in the bushes, and I would sit down, and I would recite the chandipat, and I would stay and budget. How much food did I bring, and how many days could I stay? And then, Honestly, I would budget when the food ran out, how many days could I fast before I had to start walking to go to the next market so I can stack, stock up on provisions again. And I, I, I lived within my budget. Sometimes I fasted for 21 days. Sometimes one time I fasted for 40 days. I, I enjoyed not eating as much as I enjoyed eating. <laughs> and I made many friends in the forest doing that. And I understood a lot about budgets. It's not just, I got how much money you're going to save and how much you're going to pay and how do you pay the grocer and not pay the car payment and how do you, how do you balance your books? It's also about how do you balance your life? How do you balance your energy? There are times I, in the Navaratri, I, I'm going to do a wedding tomorrow. Yay! Very much fun. I've got to do puja. I've got to do pot. I've got to do a wedding. And probably we're going to have a kirtan in the night. Now, how many hours am I going to sit in an asana? I'm going to budget my asana. I'm going to budget my pranayama so I make it to the end of the pot. I'm going to budget my mind, my energy. I've got to make a budget for life. Without a budget, you cannot accomplish the plan. 
You can't be efficient like a sadhu. So we just wrote a paper about budgets and it'll be on the website in a day or two. Or maybe when we finish the nine durgas, we'll put that on the website. And it'll go under the spiritual business uh, stuff. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika! Namaste, Swamiji. On any given day, I can relate to the king or the businessman. What is the most practical way in the moment of confusion to gain clarity and control? Or do I really have to wait until Monday for the Rishi's answer? <laughs> I'm not a spoiler. I'm not going to tell you how the plot ends. Uh, I'm going to wait until Monday and let the Rishi explain it herself. Ambika's supposed to know. <laughs> uh, Mom says Ambika's supposed to know. Ask Mark! <laughs> That'll be... Yes, please. Swamiji, uh, is it is, I, uh, the situation that Samadhi faces, that he loves his uh, family in spite of their bad behavior, and the situation that Arjuna faced in the beginning of the Gita, is there similarity? Definitely, there's a, it's the same type of thing. But in the Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna, give it all to me. Just be fully devoted to me. Just be fully concentrated to me. Do everything you do for me. And don't worry about killing your family. That was the plot of the Gita. And in the Chandi, she says, give it all to me. But then she says, how do you give it all to me? I'm going to tell you a way, a sadhana, a discipline, a mantra, a yantra, a thantra, a, a, a whole way of life, a holistic spiritual philosophy which will encompass your every action and every thought and every desire, I'm going to instruct you in such a way that you have a practical way of achieving that goal. Krishna, God love him, he gave us the most beautiful, sublime philosophy, but he didn't give us the house. <laughs> he didn't tell me how I can give it all to him. He said, give it to me, be fully devoted to me, think of me all the time, and mom said, Okay, this is what you got to do. This is how you're going to sit. This is how you're going to breathe. This is how you're going to chant. This is where you're going to focus your attention. She said, I'm giving you not only the whys and the hows, but the whens and the wherefores. <laughs> In addition, well, let's wait until Monday when we hear the Rishi's answer. <laughs> We have a similar question from Swaropanand in Seattle. Uh-oh! <laughs> You're determined to get me to spoil the plot! No, it's similar to Romney's question. Okay. Samadhi has this attachment to his family, but there is still love there, right? Is R this where the recitation that Chandi comes in, so that we can cultivate love for all without debilitating attachment? Very nice! Very, very good! That is true! That is true. We love, and the more we chant the chandi, the more we love. But the less we feel attachment, because we become attached only to her. Through the process of reciting, studying, breathing, inhaling, exhaling, pronouncing the chandi, living the life, walking the walk as well as talking the talk, in this way, through her disciplines, she's going to let us love without attachment. 
She's going to teach us how do you love without attachment, if you want to. She'll also teach you how to be attached, if you want that too. But she'll raise good thoughts to be the king. And Samadhi, once again, gets to go into Samadhi. There, you made me do it. I told you the end. All right. But you still have to go through the 13 chapters to get there. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda. Is there any reason uh, Navaratri is named such? Just like Shivaratri, should we worship the goddess all night? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Chandi Pata Divara Kuriya Divana Shamshaya. You sing the Chandi in the day and sing the Chandi in the night and worship her all night and then worship her all day. She didn't give you a pass in the day because you worshiped in the night. And then you become a Devta. You become divine. You become radiant. You become illuminated. You become a shining one without a doubt. Nishandeha. Nishamshaya. We have another question from Ambika. Yes, Ambika. Why are our minds wired to be drawn into attachment and egotism? What do we need to learn? That's another way of asking the same question, <laughs> cheater. <laughs> That's not fair. Let's go through the process methodically from the beginning to the end and don't make me skip around. I don't mind skipping backwards, but going forwards uh, you'll ruin the, the, the plot. Yes, please. So the, the how is to do the sadhana, but what happens when the ego gets involved in the sadhana and thinks, oh man, I'm so great. Did you ever hear about the story of the death of self-conceit? <laughs> Look how great I am. <laughs> I wish I was born with a longer arm. I could pat myself <laughs> on the back a little more efficiently. But I am the greatest. So said Muhammad Ali. <laughs> uh, he, he, he was the great, good, good thoughts became the king. He was the king and he doesn't allow any evil thought in his kingdom. So this is the process. Yeah, absolutely, we're going to learn the sadhana. We have a question from Moshami in Boulder. Namaste Moshami Ma! Pranam. Da -da -dum. For tomorrow. After 14 Mandavatara, after 14 Mandavataras are complete, they completes one day of Brahma. After completing all of Brahma's days, I am curious to know what will happen. Will the goddess dissolve the universe into the Bindu, and will a new universe begin from the Bindu? Yes! <laughs> you got it! You got it. I think we have uh, that, that presentation, and let me see if I can find it very quickly. I'm sure I have a copy in my iPad somewhere. I think it would be in the... Uh, where would you be if you were there in my iPad somewhere? Oh my goodness. You put all that stuff in your iPad, you'll never find anything. Proving can find. Let's check this one. Uh, no, that's not it. Chapter 1 commentary. Yeah. Oh, in the, the, uh, uh, it, it, uh, the book was called The Pronunciation and the Chandi Samputs. No, it's the, it's the study of chapter one. The study of chapter one, of course. Yeah. I can't, I, you will have to excuse me. We, we have too many books. Do I, I don't, the maker of apps did not give me a study of chapter one. Now I complain. Do you have a chapter one? 
Do you have the study of... of yeah, think. You think you do? Ah, the study of chapter one, of course. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I should have thought of that before I came. Do I have a study back here? You have there? Oh, wonderful. There you go. Now, sorry, I'm a little bit blind. There, Narayan then gives the divisions of time from the minutest, namely the love, to the duration of Brahma's life, a period of 36,000 days and nights, each of 8 trillion, 640 billion human years duration as follows. One love is the time it takes to pierce the film on a lotus leaf with a needle. You know, on a lotus leaf, there's this little need, uh, this film there that covers the leaf. And how long does it take to put a needle through that? That's a love. 30 loves equal one truthy. 30 truthies equals one kala. 30 kalas equal one kashta. We call that a moment. And that's in English. 30 kashtas equals one nimesh. That's a blink of the eye. Uh, eight nimeshas equals one matra, which is equal to one shvash. It's a breath. And 360 shvashtas is equal to one danda, or a narika. Two narikas is a mohurt. Thirty mohurt is equal to one day and night. Thirty days and thirty nights is equal to one month. Twelve months is one human year. One human year is equal to one day and night, 24 hours, of the devas. 360 days of the devas equals one celestial year. 12,000 celestial years equals one kalpa. That's the revolution of four yugas. Satta, Treta, Dwapa, and Kala. <clears throat> 1,000 kalpas equals a day of Brahma. 1,000 kalpas equals a night of Brahma. 30 such days and nights of Brahma is equal to one month of Brahma, and 12 months of Brahma is equal to a year of Brahma, and 100 years of Brahma is equal to the period of the life of Brahma. The duration of Brahma's life is equal to that of the outgoing breath, the Nishwash of Kal, or Narayan. And that was according to the Prapanchasara Tantra. Now, according to Tantra Raja Tantra, the duration of Satya Yuga is 1,728,000 years. Three-fourths of this period is 1,296,000 years is the duration of Treta Yuga. Half the duration of Satya Yuga, which is 864,000 years, is the duration of Dwapar Yuga. 
and a fourth of it is 432,000 years is the duration of Kali Yuga. So 4,320,000 years is the duration of a Kalpa, one revolution of the four Yugas. And that is according to Tantraja Tantra. Now, one Manvantar is one fourteenth part of a day of Brahma. Seventy-one kalpas, that's seventy-one times the four yugas, is equal to one manvanta. Fourteen manvantars is equal to one thousand kalpas, which is one day of Brahma. Each manvantar is presided over by one mono. The manifestation of the predominant attitude of mind for that period. We are now in the eighth manvantar. So there have been eight monus that have manifested so far. So first manvantar was presided over by Swayambuha, and the second by Swarochish. That's the where the action of the Chandipat started. The third was by Uttam, fourth by Tamas, the fifth by Roivat, sixth by Chakshush, the seventh by Voivoshwat, and this present eighth Manvantara is presided over by Sabarni, he who belongs to all colors, tribes, castes, creeds, etc. Oh, it goes on. This is, a, this is an interesting book. Uh, it, it, I don't think I wrote it. Yeah. Ah. Sabarni is the Manu of the present Manvanta. The Chandipat tells the story of how he became the Manu of this period of time. In the second Manvantar, the period ruled by Swarochish, Sabarni was the king of good thoughts. Good thoughts performed a severe tapasya, and the Divine Mother Goddess granted him an imperishable kingdom. So good thoughts became the predominant attitude of mind for this period of 71 kopas, or if you do the math, 306,720,000 years. You're not going to have a bad thought. So the story says. So, well, that, that's enough. We, 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 thank you very much. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste.